Good morning. You're listening to The Daily Cast, Kilcullen Diaries podcast to start the day. I'm Brian Byrne and it is Friday the 14th of May 2021. Coming up this morning, we'll look briefly at the life of a Kerryman who became a very wealthy French banker in the 18th century and who disappeared in mysterious circumstances, having made a fortune from questionable financial speculation. We'll also hear some more from the late Monsignor James Horan, talking 40 years ago about Knock Shrine. First, the weather. And that early fog will clear to give a day of sunny spells. Showers are possible for a time in the late afternoon and may get thundery. Highest temperatures will be around 14 degrees in light to moderate variable breezes. Now to our person of interest today. He is Richard Cantillon, an 18th century Irish-born banker and merchant who outlined entrepreneurism as an economic concept. Cantillon was born in Ballyhaig, County Kerry, to a family of landowners with Norman background. He moved to France in the early 1700s and then briefly to Spain, where he built up a number of wealthy English contacts through helping British prisoners taken in the War of Spanish Succession. He returned to Paris and joined a cousin's banking business and later bought him out with the help of his British connections. He then built up a solid banking business specialising in transfers between Paris and London. This got him involved in an enterprise in the French territories of North America, the Mississippi Company, established by economist and speculator John Law. Buying shares early and selling them at the top of their value made Cantillon very wealthy, but the enterprise became a bubble that burst. Cantillon had ensured that he could collect on debts owed to him as the backer of speculative investments in the Mississippi Company. Many of those clients, though, suffered financial damage, and since Cantillon was on record as believing the enterprise would fail, they spent years suing him through the courts. Cantillon is known to have written a number of manuscripts on financial and related topics, but the one that survives of main interest was his Essay on the Nature of Trade in General, published in 1755 in France. This influenced early development of several economic schools of thought. In addition to concepts on the relationship between increases in the supply of money, price and production, Cantillon enunciated the concept of entrepreneur a term he's credited with coining to describe those who pay known costs of production but earn uncertain incomes. And anyone who is self-employed can recognise themselves in that. Cantillon left France in 1733, fleeing criminal proceedings on allegations of charges of theft of assets deposited with him. He set up home in London. In May 1734, just a year later, that home was destroyed by fire, with the assumption that he died in the blaze as a body was found. It is generally theorised that the fire was deliberate, possibly set by a disgruntled client, as there had been many threats of murder. But it has also been suggested that Cantillon burned the house himself to escape legal harassment and spent the rest of his life in South America. Now, back to our feature of the day, and since it is May, the month of devotion to Mary, the Mother of God, I'm continuing with another extract from my conversation back in 1980 with Monsignor James Horan, then parish priest of Knock Shrine. 
If you were listening yesterday to the cast, you'll have heard us describing how the Basilica at Knock was built and opened 45 years ago this weekend. Today, he gives me his own thoughts on the original claimed apparitions and subsequent apparent miracles at the County Mayo Shrine. People come and ask me sometimes, uh, is Knock Shrine recognised? Of course, now that is a silly question. Uh, there are two things to be distinguished, and one is the Knock Shrine itself. Now, Knock Shrine as a shrine where all the orthodox devotions of the church are carried on is like any other shrine, like Lourdes or uh, La Salette or Fatima. And Knock Shrine has all the recognition and has got all the privileges that the church can give, just as Lourdes and Fatima and La Salette have got these privileges. So there is no distinction between Knock Shrine and other shrines uh, in that respect. Knock Shrine is regarded as one of the, ma- the major Marian shrines in the world, and it has been granted certain privileges by all the recent popes. Now, the apparition is a different matter. An apparition uh, must stand or fall on the human evidence for it. In 1877, the, Congre- the Congregation of Rites in Rome was asked about the apparition at Lourdes and La Salette. The question was, did the church recognise the apparitions at Lourdes and La Salette? And the answer was that the church uh, neither approves nor disapproves nor condemns apparitions as such. It simply authorised them as uh, pious beliefs based entirely on human evidence. And... uh, the human evidence far knock is, in my opinion, uh, as good, if not better, than the evidence for other apparitions. Now, the knock apparition happened on the 21st of August, 1879, a wet evening, and uh, two people were passing, Mary McLaughlin and Mary Byrne. And they saw what they thought were statues in the beginning, and then they saw that there was life in them. And then they really saw that it was a heavenly apparition with a heavenly light, you know, blazing on the gable. And uh, it was raining at the time. So they were so startled by this that they went and they called their friends, and 15 people or 16, perhaps up to 20 people, witnessed the apparition. Now, 15 of these gave evidence before a commission set up by Dr. John McHale, Archbishop of Tume, and uh, the commission reported afterwards that their evidence, taken as a whole, was trustworthy and satisfactory. And this was given to uh, the Archbishop, Dr. John McHale, and he published it in the local papers and in the daily papers, and then pilgrims began to come in their thousands, bringing their sick with them, sometimes in horse cars and sometimes in horse carts. They all came here and then uh, cures were reported and uh, Archdeacon Kavanagh, who was the parish priest at the time, kept a diary of these cures. So it has, so it has gone on for nearly a hundred years. But a very interesting thing, in 1936, three of the witnesses were still alive and uh, one of the people who was alive at that time was Mary Byrne, and she was one of the principal witnesses. 
she was in bed and actually dying. So they took her evidence under oath, and she gave the same evidence as she gave in uh, 1879. And she said, I'm doing this knowing that in a short time I'm going before Almighty God. Uh, there was a miracle there at the same time because the wind was from the southwest, blowing straight into the gable, blowing the rain straight into the gable, but uh, the gable was dry and the ground beneath was dry, even though this rain had been there all the day. In common with other major Marian shrines, Knock appears to have had its fair share of cures. Indeed, pretty soon after the apparitions, the first visible signs of apparent cures were the discarded crutches and sticks which were stacked against the gable of the church. Today, there are many people who claim to have either been cured or to have witnessed a cure at the shrine. But who defines when a cure has taken place? Well, first of all, uh, you, you can't... Uh you see, pronounce on a cure or on the miraculous nature of a cure unless you have a medical bureau. Now, if I'm sick, God can cure me in two ways. He can cure me through the ordinary healing powers of my own body, or he can cure me instantaneously and miraculously through uh, outside uh, intervention. Now, uh, the second one is where a miracle occurs, where the cure is instant, where it can't be explained by any medical uh, or physical explanation, and therefore that it must be done by some outside interference by Almighty God himself, or through the intercession of Our Lady. But in regard to Knock, we can't claim that uh, miracles occurred. All we do know is that thousands of people claim to be cured here, that they were cured. Some of them were stretcher cases and they got up and walked. Others had, were suffering from various maladies. They got better. Now, how God cured them, we don't know. He might have cured them through the ordinary healing powers of their own uh, bodies. Or he may have cured them miraculously, as I said. But um, we can't pronounce on it because we never had... Uh, medical bureau except for three years between 1936 and 1939 and the fact is that we couldn't afford uh, a medical bureau and uh, we are up against a lot of difficulties here in Ireland about uh, cures and about pronouncing on cures and that is that if a person is cured they don't want to say anything about it for two reasons one is a superstitious reason that they're afraid that if there's anything about it that the malady might come back again. And the, the other is a more practical one, if you like, that if they do say anything about it, they're going to be harassed by all kinds of newspaper correspondence and by their friends and by explanations. It really uh, upsets them. Monsignor James Horan speaking to me some four decades ago and that was an extract from an audio programme I produced at the time for the Catholic Communications Centre. Monsignor Horan passed away in 1986. Now to the news online this morning. The Kildare Nationalists' lead focus is on a move to allow horse riding on Kildare's blueways and greenways. It's not going to happen, it seems, according to a story by Finian Coughlin. Council officials don't think the proposal to mix horses, bikes and humans would be a safe option. 
The Leinster leader highlights how easy it is to steal a bicycle on a busy street in broad daylight, and that's on the back of a Garda awareness campaign on how to hold onto your rahar. KFM Radio reports on a planned Irish water assessment of the condition of the system supplying Dublin as it works on changes at the Ballymore Eustace treatment plant. Nationally, the Irish Independent heads off with that breaking story of the HSE forced to shut down its computer systems after a cyber attack. The Examiner also runs with that, headlining appointments cancelled after a ransomware attack. RTE2 is highlighting that same live story. The Irish Times had been focusing on the possible opening of a travel bubble for holidays between Britain and Ireland, but also has the cyber attack, headlining it as at the Rotunda Hospital in Dublin. And that's it for the day, and for this week from the Daily Cast. Have a good weekend. I'm Brian Byrne. Thanks for listening.